morning we're continuing on our series, Now What? And it's really about living a life after the resurrection. We're looking at how the disciples had to deal with that reality, and we're asking ourselves, how do we deal with the reality of the risen Savior? And uh, last week, we looked a little bit at disappointment. This week, um, we are going to be looking at the theme and the topic of doubt and how a doubt can often influence and affect our lives and, and cause us to see through a lens of, of what is, is limiting us. Uh, you know, we are continuing in this season where uh, we are all uh, staying at home. And, and I, I'm thinking through all of the things that uh, all the tasks or, or the things we're trying uh, that, that when you look at the long picture, a lot of them feel a little bit overwhelming to try to accomplish. Sure. Uh, a couple of days ago, me and my son, uh, Zach, were on a bike ride, and it was one of those really windy days. And so as we were biking along, we came to this bridge. And as we were trying to ascend the first portion of the bridge uh, with the wind pushing against us, uh, my son just was exasperated. And he finally just yelled out, Dad, I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't do it. And so I tried to encourage him, come on, you can do it, buddy. You can keep at it. And and he, he finally just got off his bike and he's like, dad, I can't do it. So instead he started to just walk his bike up the rest of the bridge. And it was this image that stuck with me because as we talk about doubt, I view doubt as this resistance in our life, this feeling of something being pushed against us, really causing difficulty for us to press forward. But the difficulty with doubt is we don't want to give into it. We don't want to just give up and say, I can't do it. Turn around. I'm going the other way. Yes. We have to begin to find another way to begin to press through that season, those times of yeah, doubt. That's a great point because I think all our first instinct when we face resistance and when we face doubt is avoid it, right? We want to be in a place that we don't have to struggle or, or work through doubt. But really, uh, in, in many aspects of life, resistance is key to strength and growth. And in fact, there are people who seek out working out is like this. You seek out yeah. higher resistance because you know you're going to be stronger once you face it and overcome that resistance. That's right. And so as we look at doubt, we want to view it in this lens that doubt, which is often linked to unbelief, is not, they're not always together. Doubt is resistance that can often deepen our faith in a way that equips us and makes us stronger. And so today we just want to ask this question, how do we press on in times of doubt. As we go through this season uh, where, where we look up ahead, kind of in discouragement, not being uh, uncertain and, and not sure about what's coming in front of us, how do we continue to press on in this time of doubt? And so our text today is in John uh, chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 24. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles or uh, flip on your phone, whatever app you're using, uh, join us in this text. And as we look at our text today, uh, we're going to be introduced uh, to this character, uh, named Thomas. Thomas is, is one of the 11 remaining disciples, apostles during this time. And, and what has just occurred in the gospel of John is, is in the middle of John 20, we see that Jesus uh, appears before his disciples. The disciples are in this room. The door is locked. It says for the fear of the Jews, this uncertainty of, of what's about to happen. And so Jesus appears before them and really speaks peace into them, breathes the Holy Spirit on them, and then tells tells them to go and to, to forgive, to live in forgiveness towards other. And, and so as we look at our passage today, it's when we meet Thomas that we face this now what moment, yeah, that Thomas wasn't there, but all of a sudden he's looking up and he's saying, now what? Now what am I supposed yeah, to do? He's, he's stuck between Jesus coming to meet the other disciples and then we'll see Jesus coming again. And it says, 
seven full days, I mean, a week passes, the door is still locked, they're talking about going to do this mission that Jesus is sending them on, but Thomas, he hasn't seen Jesus. Mm. And so as we begin our passage today, we, we begin with this, this mindset of doubt uh, that Thomas uh, carries with him. Uh, we pick up right in verse 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Uh, it goes on to say, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see And it goes on to say, unless I see, I will never believe. And as we begin our passage today, I just want to focus on that phrase, unless I see. Uh, As I read this passage, I think that this is uh, a phrase of doubt. Doubt uh, causes us to see in our limitations. And when I think that through that phrase, unless I see, unless I, that is a phrase that we use in our lives, in our life of faith all the time. When we, when we come to God, we have these limitations with us because we, we live in this limited view where we say, God, unless I get that job, I don't know if you're real, unless you show up in this moment, unless that person is healed, unless I get that child, unless I discover that relationship, unless I, I will never believe. And the difficulty that we have with doubt is it causes us to really put this caveat on God saying, prove it to me. But the thing about doubt is it's not necessarily a bad thing. We all go through seasons of doubt. Doubt is instead not this invitation to say, God, prove this to me, but it's really this invitation to come before God and begin to cry out, please show up in this place. I want to see you. I need to see you in this moment. And I, I see Thomas here, as you look at his progression, we see him show up, not just in the story, but we see him show up through the gospel of John and he's somebody who's all in. So he doesn't have a, a negative, God, I'm just going to put these roadblocks in front of you. Dad. Right. He has a, he knows the cost. In John 11, it, we see a picture of Thomas who says to Jesus, Let's go, we'll go die with you. He understands that, that following Jesus is going to cost a great deal. And so he wants to know for sure before he goes and gives his life to something like this. And so Thomas in this moment is saying, unless I see, I will never believe because he he wants this, he desires to be all in, but he, he feels on the outset. All the other 10 apostles have seen Jesus. They're in this moment where their their faith is beginning to move forward, but Thomas isn't there yet. And so he's in this moment where, where he's unsure of what's next for him. And I think the difficulty with doubt in our life is that we can let doubt become this blinding effect in our life uh, to cover our eyes from seeing the presence of God, from discovering this deeper faith. But doubt shouldn't be a blinding effect. And instead, really, doubt uh, should be this invitation for us to emerge into a more profound, into a deeper faith. Uh, one of uh, the preachers I like, his name's Rich Vil- Villados. Uh, he says it this way. He says, doubt is not the enemy of faith. It's the ground out of which faith often emerges. Faith requires us to venture into mystery and there's no certitude in mystery, only trust. And so when we talk about doubt today, uh, the first thing I want to point out is that when we come to these moments of doubt, when we come to these seasons of uncertainty, uh, what we can't do is let doubt cause us to disengage and cause us to remove ourselves from seeking after God. Don't let doubt 
lead you away from God. Don't deny your doubt. If you deny your doubt, what you're doing is you're living in this false certainty, your own control. But doubt is this invitation for us to acknowledge our doubt before God and press further in. So the first thing we need to do when we come to doubt is to acknowledge it. We need to confess that we are having these moments of doubt where we're having these struggles of our thoughts. Because when we acknowledge our doubts, uh, we're not letting them lead us away from Jesus, but instead we're bringing them before him and acknowledging them in a way saying, I need your help. How can you use this? And so as we go through this season of uncertainty, uh, the season of, of somewhat frustration, how can the season of certainty not cause us to lead us away from God, but, but cause us into this moment where we deepen our faith as we pursue him? The struggle with doubt is that when we, when we go through it, if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't bring it before God, if we deny it, then it can begin to cause us to lead us away from yeah. Jesus. James 1, 6 says it this way. He says, uh, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And when we don't acknowledge our doubt, that's what it does. It begins to toss us like a wave from this place to that place, driving us away from Christ instead of bringing us closer to him. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus shows up. He shows up and he speaks this word of peace into everyone. He comes in and it's for me reminiscent of how he stands up in the boat and, and says yeah. to the wind and he says, be calm, be still. And the wind obeys him. And so uh, verse 26, it says this, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And so Jesus speaks right into that doubt and says, let me still this doubt. Let me calm this doubt. And Thomas is not, is not just a, a foolish doubt or not just an unbelieving person. He knows again what it would mean to follow Jesus and he needs to have that certainty. So Jesus shows up and he, he answers uh, his disciple who was, who's, as John 11 shows us, willing and ready to give his life to this cause. Um, and so, uh, you know, as I think about putting ourselves in the same place and struggling with our own doubts and, and wanting to figure out um, how we entrust our lives to Jesus, but, but still facing these doubts, you know, as I think back through my own life and as I think about as a pastor working with people who, who have varying degrees of faith and, and, and doubt and fears and all these things, and I think quite honestly, I'd rather have somebody willing to face doubt than somebody who's, who says they've never had mm. any doubts. Uh, and there's a big difference for me between having no doubts remaining because you faced out, again, you don't want to live a life of doubt. Yeah. But there's a difference between having no doubts remaining because you face them and being the kind of person who, who just is unwilling to face the hard questions. And Thomas is saying, listen, um, I, I need these doubts addressed. Uh, Paul says it this way uh, as, as he, in his writings. He, he says in one of his letters, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Hey, listen, this is serious stuff, faith. And so uh, you can't just casually be, be working this, th- work it out with fear and trembling. Fight for it. 
Yeah, and the amazing thing is that Jesus shows up in these doubts. And as you read this passage, you just see this mirroring image uh, just right before uh, Thomas says, I will never believe unless unless I see the marks in his hands, unless I, I put my, my hand in the wound in his side, I, I will never believe. And then Jesus, as he shows up, he, he invites Thomas to discover his doubts not being real. He says, look, put your finger here, put your hand here. He invites him. It's, it's this image that Jesus is listening to Thomas's doubts and showing up right there saying, I heard you and I'm here to reveal this yeah. to you. Jesus heard him. He cares. And I think maybe that's the question a lot of us might personally have. Hey, I have these hangups. I have these questions. I have these things that I'm not certain about. And I think what we see in the character of Jesus for those he loves and which is all of us as his children, is he cares about your questions. He cares about your doubts, and he wants to show up right in that place. And Thomas um, is a great example of that, a great encouragement of that for us. Um, But I also see in Thomas that he continues to show up too. Jesus shows up into this picture to face these doubts, but the other part of the equation is that Thomas shows up. It's important for us to understand that these other 10 were talking about Jesus showing up and the mission that Jesus was, was sending them on for that whole week. And Thomas didn't go away frustrated. Day three, Thomas didn't say, where is, where is Jesus? I don't believe you guys at all. You guys are crazy. I'm not coming back. For a week, he was there. And that means that Thomas showed up. And so sometimes when we are facing, when we're facing doubt, um, when we don't want to pray, when we don't want to uh, read God's word when we are not sure of how to believe. It's important that we show up too. Yeah. So that means sometimes we we have to go to church when we feel like you know I'm just not sure why 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 do we need to pray even though sometimes we feel like I just don't feel like praying because it's some religious ritual that we need to do. No, because we need to show up and leave space for God to meet us mm-hmm. there. And th- that's what Thomas does. He needs a faith of his own, and he surrenders his faith and his doubt to Jesus. There's a story I love in the gospels as well of a father who comes to Jesus for healing for his child. And uh, Jesus tells him, anything is possible to the one who believes. And this father answers so honestly, and it's a prayer that I pray over and over. He says, he says to the Lord Jesus, I do believe, but he also says, but help my unbelief. Mm. And it is this duality sometimes that's in us where we say, I do believe Jesus, but you know what? I have this unbelief as well. And, and I, I truly think doubt is only dangerous if we don't surrender it to mm. Jesus. If we have, live in this kind of false or little faith, but we have all these doubts and we just keep them to ourselves, that's when those things can become dangerous. But true faith is not just is not just not struggling at all, not just not having any questions, but true faith is saying, Jesus, I do believe, but Jesus, here's also all my doubts and I surrender them to you. I put them at your feet. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. God, would you answer this? Thomas needed his faith to be his own. He was honest with the other disciples. He's honest with Jesus and Jesus shows up and he, um, and he speaks right into that. And because of that, Thomas's faith becomes personal. You see it in the pronouns. Yeah, Thomas answers uh, Jesus showing up in this profound profession, this this confession of belief in this prayer. We see it in John 20, verse 28. It says, Thomas answered him, answered Jesus, 
my Lord and my God. Yeah. And as you're saying, Josh, there's there's this personal connection that Thomas, the one who was doubting, the one who was saying, unless I see, I will never believe. He, he sees it and, it and it brings him into this deeper faith of saying, my Lord and my God. And the profound thing about this, this prayer, this confession of belief is that Thomas, the one who wasn't there, after Easter, it wasn't there on the first the first day, it wasn't there at Easter, but was there eight days later, is the first one to confess Jesus as God. In all of the gospels, in, in all of all of this writing, Thomas is the one that says, my God. And this is the first mm-hmm. confession. This is the first uh, acknowledgement of Jesus being God. And it's this personal confession, this personal prayer of Thomas that leads to this worldwide testimony this is my God. He is alive. This prayer of faith begins to acknowledge that they are living in a resurrection reality, that Jesus is the one and only, the true and living God. Uh, Thomas uh, was able to see this, uh, as Josh said, because he was present. And when I think of, of the current season we are in, I think that it is easy for us to hide away, uh, to say we are at home. Uh, it's, it's really hard to engage, to interact with God on a, on a daily basis. It's hard to be present in, in a community. Uh, all we're doing, it seems, is that we're watching a service online. How do we form community through that? And so we can easily slip away from this. But Thomas is this example for us. The passage begins by saying Thomas was not there with them, but then eight days later, for the next seven days, it says he was there with them. He was in community with the disciples. They saw it. He didn't. He was struggling with his doubt, but he didn't let doubt take him out of this community. Instead, he firmly planted himself there. And because he was there, because he acknowledged his, his doubts and stayed in this community, he saw God show up. And so as we talk about doubt, as we, as we look in this moment, uh, don't let doubt cause you to give up and say, nah, it's too hard, it's too uncertain, I'm unsure, I'm gonna walk away from this. But let doubt invite you further into following and discover where Jesus is leading you. This profound prayer and confession by Thomas is saying, this is my Lord and this is my God. I've seen it and I believe it. Uh, Eugene Peterson says it this way, he says, following Jesus, it doesn't get us where we want to go, it gets us where Jesus goes where we meet him in this resurrection surprise, my Lord and my God. As we press into this community, are you discovering how God is showing up in your life? Uh, there's this amazing uh, painting of, of the doubting Thomas. It's uh, by Caravaggio. It's called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And I love this, this picture so much because in it, uh, Thomas is, is sticking his finger and he's inspecting that side wound of Jesus. He's touching the wounds of Jesus. And as we, as we see in this passage, that's what comes... Uh, the belief of Thomas comes from this moment, this discovery of those wounds of Jesus. And as we look, as we press deeper into community, and as we try to discover where Jesus is showing up, we see that it's in the wounds of Jesus that he begins to open our eyes to discover this profound fact that you can find that he is your Lord and your God through the wounds that he has borne through the cross. Uh, One last quote, again, from preacher Rich Villados. He says, Jesus tells Thomas to touch his wounds. And after touching Jesus' wounds that, he had, that had been redeemed, Thomas believes. 
Too often the church has spent much of our time denying our wounds, but the world can't touch the wounds that we say don't exist. Our broken humanity redeemed by Jesus is one of the best witnesses of faith we have. And so we go in the season as we feel these wounds that are opening up, sometimes reopening up. Our, 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 our reaction is often to try to hide them and not expose them. Mm-hmm. But Thomas is this invitation to us to really expose our wounds, expose our doubts in a way to discover the healing wounds of Jesus upon yeah. our life and this invitation for us to believe. Uh, and, and there's a real reason that John puts a story at the end of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The whole gospel of John ends uh, with the story, uh, and it's because this is going to be a theme for God's people. Mm. John knows this. John's experienced this, and so he writes this: a struggle of faith and doubt is something we we're going to all have to wrestle with. Um, verse twenty nine says this: Jesus is speaking. It says, "Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed." Jesus is having us in mind. He's thinking of you as he's speaking to Thomas. And John is making sure to preserve those words because John knew something bigger is happening here. And this is something not just for a room of, of 11 disciples, but this is something for all God's people. And the truth is for us, as we think about our faith, is that faith is not binary. And so if you're, if you're listening here, it's not just a, a yes or no. It's not, I, I, I believe or don't believe Um, It is something that's dynamic. Jesus wants us to have the kind of faith that is willing to move and uproot us from our old life into this life, into this call that he has for us. And um, Jesus wants for us not just to simply understand something, but to live in a new life, a new reality. Um, This is how John ends his, his gospel so that Uh, we would understand what Jesus has for us. Verse 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so, For those of you who are watching, and I'm not sure how everyone has gotten on today, maybe you're invited, maybe you stumbled on it, maybe you're part of the church as it is, but if you are out there and you have not made that confession, my Lord, my God, will you continue to show up? Will you leave room like Thomas did for God to work in your life, to reveal himself to you? Will you just say even today, God, here are my doubts. Here are the things that are keeping me. God, if you're, if you're out there, would, would you, uh, this, is not, this, is, this is not a test just to scrutinize you, but this is, this is a test because I'm seeking you, God. Yeah. I need you to, to show up, intervene in my life. And I believe God will meet you there today. And, and if you would like somebody to pray with you, uh, you can uh, send a message right now or follow the links that are in the, in the description. Somebody will be there to pray with you. And I want to speak real quick to those who are watching who have already made that decision and say, I do believe, I do believe. Uh, again, I want to say to you, um, faith is not just a binary yes, yes or no. I want you to put yourself, as we, as we conclude this time, put yourself in that reality that Thomas and the disciples say, Jesus shows up in that room with his wounds and with his heavenly body. What would it look like for Jesus the resurrected Jesus to be with you right now. 
think this is a perfect time for us as believers to begin to inspect our life because, you know, in that moment where Jesus shows up in his eternal glory for his disciples, so much begins to melt away. Worry and things that we value and things that we think are important to us. And, you know, I guarantee none of the disciples were thinking about what their next career move would be with the resurrected Jesus standing there. And this is a time, and, and, and this pandemic is a time for us, whether we like it or not, to examine our whole life and say, when I come out of this room, when these doors are unlocked and I'm back into the world, am I living the life that the resurrected Jesus has for me? Yeah, and, and doubt is not something that just uh, comes once and leaves forever. It's something that will pop up yeah. over and over again. And we can't let us detach us from that presence. I, I think of Matthew's gospel. He ends uh, and it says, as Jesus appeared, it says some of the disciples, uh, they, they, they all worshiped him. And it says, and some doubted mm-hmm. because it was still present there, yeah. but they, they didn't let that draw them away from the presence. Instead, as you're saying, it caused them to remain in this presence of the resurrected yeah. Lord. And so we're getting ready to sing a a song in response. And I I want you to take this time and consider consider where you are in your life. Would you leave room for God to show up in your life? Would you be honest with him by your dots? I know you're in in your living room or watching this on a computer or a phone or whatever. Wherever you are, would you take a moment and say, okay, Jesus, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I'm seeking you. Um, Let's end our time right now with the sermon in in just some prayer. King Jesus, we, we await your presence, God. We know that you are alive and active and at work, God. We thank you that, that you bear the, the marks of the cross eternally as a sign that we are eternally redeemed, forgiven, and, and set free, Lord God. I pray right now for everyone who's listening today that they would understand the height and depth and width of your love for us, God, the power of your resurrection, God. I pray that people would step out of uh, the graves that they're living in, the, the depression that, that, that overwhelms us in times like this, God, the anxiety that overwhelms us, the fear that overwhelms us, God, and even the doubt that pushes against us, God. We pray that you would show up in our midst today, God. Meet us where we are as we seek you this morning, God, in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.